Father, we thank you for the bread of life. The Bible tells us that the entrance of your word brings light, and that light gives understanding to the simple. In our simplicity, we arrive, we come to you. And Holy Spirit, today being our last day of this seminar for this week, I am asking in the name of Jesus that uh, you will open blind eyes. I am asking in the name of Jesus that uh, dead things will come back to life again. Holy Spirit, let the graves open and let the saints come out in Jesus' name. Father, we want a work that is beyond uh, what our minds are even set to receive. For you have spoken in the word and have said to us that you are more than able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all we can ask or even imagine. So we imagine some things in our hearts, Holy Spirit, and yet we also come in the confidence that whatever that imagination is, you are about to exceed Jesus. So the reason for the excitement right now as we receive your word is because you are about to take us on an escapade we have not been ready for. And yet it's a beautiful one. It's a beautiful one. I thank you, Holy Spirit. I thank you. Please have your way. You are the senior partner in this. You are uh, the chief in this place. You are uh, the, 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 the driver. You're the driver. You're the driver. I'm, I'm happy to be a co-pilot just on the side watching as you do what you do, dear Holy Spirit, because you, we know, we, we both know, of course you know better than I do, that unless your work is done, whatever we are doing is nothing. Uh, but I'm glad that you are here, Spirit of God, because you're going to get us. And you're going to do something that will remain rooted for generations. That the generations after us will refer to our times <laughs> and say there were men and women that understood God. That just as we refer to the Moravians, so will they give us a name we didn't even give ourselves. That even as we refer to the Puritans, Lord, they will give us a name we didn't give ourselves. Even as we refer to the Wesleyans, Lord, they will give us a name we did not give ourselves. Even as they refer to the Abazukufu, oh God, they will give us a name we didn't give ourselves. So, Holy Spirit, we are ready for your work. Have your way. Here I am, and here are your people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> Woohoo! Are you excited? You know I am a building, and my foundation is strong. And today, my foundation is getting stronger. I am not only adding one course, I am adding maybe a hundred more courses today. Hallelujah. Your life will never be the same again. Your life will never be the same again. Your life will never be the same again. Hallelujah. You know, Yesterday, I was watching uh, a teaching by Bishop Adeboye. He sat like this, and he said, you know, God uh, is going to move you from the level where you have been to a whole new different level. And uh, for everyone that believes that, dance. Hallelujah. You know, today as I was coming, I, in my spirit, I was really feeling an urgency for you to understand these things because God has 
chosen you for this time. If you are not going to be relevant for these days, you would not be born in these days. God doesn't waste. You get it? God knew that 2023 needs you. Amma. You got it? And in truth, he not only prepared 2023 for you, he also put all the ingredients necessary for you to have dominion and dominate in this world. So when we look at the challenges the world has, you and I are the solution. So we have to stop thinking about what am I going to eat tomorrow? Because there's no, I tell you, there's no bad right now that is worried about whether it's going to eat tomorrow or not. And you, you are better than a bird. You are better than a what? A bird. All right, let's go into our teaching today. If you are on podcast, you're welcome. I think that's, I think that's an appropriate welcome for, let's give them a hand clap. They are on podcasts. Aggie, you are welcome. Who else can we welcome? Michelle, you're welcome. Barbara, you're welcome. Yeah, put your name also because you're going to listen again. So you, you, you hear that we also st- told you welcome. Eddie, you're welcome. Rogers, you're welcome. Yes, okay. I- even you, you can put your name. Don't feel bad if we didn't mention your name. Maybe you should just leave a comment there on the podcast. Remember me also. Uh, Never forget. (laughs) But we are having a lot of fun, this seminar, and I I feel like we will do another one. I think we will do another one. But for now, um, we are still talking about faith towards God. Now, in Ephesians chapter... 2 verses 8. Should we start from verses 8? Let's start from verses 4, going down to verses 9. Ephesians chapter 2 from verses 4. We are still talking about faith toward God. And yesterday we defined faith as, yeah, accepting something to be true. Right, let's read together 1, 2, 3, verses 4. But God, who is rich in mass. Now, first of all, you see that thing alone. That thing alone is a beautiful thing. You see that? It is very beautiful for you and I to always understand. You, you may be poor in mercy. God is not poor in mercy. Hallelujah. There are some people, you did something in January. Up to now, they are still holding you. They are not rich in mercy. They are poor. In mercy. But some of us have to be after the kind of our father. We must carry some of our father's characteristics. You get it? Uh, That you annoy me and when I turn around, I am not annoyed anymore. You understand? So God who is... So he's not even trying to discuss it. You understand? He's not even trying to argue it out. It's not a point of discussion. It is merely a statement which you must accept. God is rich in mercy. And why is he rich in mercy? Because of his great love by which he loved us. Yeah? There's another question you should never even wonder. What is the answer? Does God love you? The answer to that question is in the past. He loved you. He started way back. And he loved you before you loved him. Now that you love him, how much more? Do you understand? It's like that boy who comes to you, young lady, and says, Madam, I love you. And then you say, me? I don't feel it. I don't know. I don't love you and I don't care. So the boy begins to feel bad because you said it will never happen, it can never happen, it shall never happen. 
I am even going to save you in my phone as now don't answer. <laughs> Praise the Lord. But then, after three months of the boy coming back, but, and then bringing flowers, and then talking in a good voice, and sending mobile money. Yeah. After some time, you realize that your heart, there's also something. You get it? Now, before you loved God, God loved you. Then, after some time, you also had a some thing in there that said, okay, God. So now, you, you think you love God, but he was the first one to do what? While you were still sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. You understand? So now that you are even still in dead works trying to get out, which he's already saying, I have done it. He loves you. Oh my goodness. Let me tell you, God loves you beyond any mistake you have ever done. It's true. Uh, God loves you beyond any mistake you are going to do. Praise the Lord. So, he's rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us. So, uh, now, in, in the Bible, the past tenses uh, are not past tense. You see, language is funny because language is at different levels and English is at a lower level than uh, Greek. Even though Greek is also at a lower level than Hebrew. And so, because of that, certain things can't be translated well. In Greek, we don't have a past tense, especially Bible Koine Greek. Are you, are you in seminary? Oh, you are. Yeah, am, I, am I teaching a seminary class or what? Okay, but you are, but you are understanding what I'm saying. Um, in, in, the, in the Greek which they used to write the Bible, they have a tense called the Ariorist tense. Yeah, Ariorist. Ariorist, in other words, something that starts in the past, continues in the present, and goes past the present into the future. It's a tense. I told you, you don't have it in English. Because in English, you must have three tenses. Yeah? Past continuous. There's a past continuous. You have past, present, present continuous, and future perfect. <laughs> yes, so you now you com, you see you combine all those words into one word called aerialist. Yeah. Because it is like you know God lives in eternity. So when he looks at time, he's not seeing yesterday, today and tomorrow. He's seeing today. Yes, that's why he knows your future before your past. Do you understand that? That's why, by the way, there is no mistake you have done that he doesn't know about. Because he actually knew about it before. Because he's seeing it. Like he knows who you are going to abuse tomorrow if you are going to abuse anybody. He knows. Like you are here looking very sanctimonious. But he knows something is going to get on your mind. And you're going to say a thing. <laughs> and he still loves you. Oh yes, he still loves you. Because of his great love with which he loved us, verses 5 says, even when, <laughs> he loved us even when. Take it in. Eh? Like, this is like eating chocolate. You don't eat chocolate. <clears throat> no, you, you have to eat it. Yeah, slowly to understand it. You see, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when, like he loved us even when. He loved us even when. By the way, and remember, he loves you even when. Because it's aerialist, yeah? It is future, I mean past he loved you, present he loved you, future he loved you. <laughs> yeah? His love is constant. It's not increasing nor decreasing. You are not the one who determines the temperature of his love. You know, even when you were still dead, 
in your trespasses, how much more now that he has made you alive together with Christ? You know, it's because by grace, his grace. Now, I pray for you continuously. By the way, this week I've been praying for you very hard. Yes. I, I am praying for you that this thing hits your spirit. It moves out of just your mind and just hits your what? Because this is where our power is. There is nothing that will separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Absolutely nothing. That changes everything. There is nothing that will separate you from the love of God. So, let's go to verse 6. It says, And he raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, verse 7, that in the ages to come, he might show, wow. These are very beautiful words. The exceeding riches, they're not just abundant. Do you understand? The mercy that God has toward us is not just abundant. It is exceeding. It passes beyond what you can grasp. Like you can drink of his grace and drink and leave it there and go and come back tomorrow. It's like Lake Victoria. So his love is wide. But the riches of his grace in his kindness Toward us is exceeding. And all of that in Christ Jesus. In what? In Christ Jesus. So God is kind towards us. Oh yes. This is what separates us from all other religions. That for us, God is kind towards us. In Christ Jesus. The moment you enter into Jesus Christ, the kindness of God kicks in. Why? Verses 8. For by grace you have been saved through faith and not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. So we are talking about faith towards God. Faith towards God. Faith towards because the gift of God is a free gift, right? It is free and it is available for us. The grace of God is free, otherwise it would not be grace. It would be wages. You see, after I have called you to my house to wash my clothes and I give you 50K, I have not given you a gift. I have paid you. Not even given. I have paid you a wage. That's why very few of you write a thank you letter to your boss every month. Sir, thank you very much. You have paid me for the gift you have given me this month. No, 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 no. Yeah, it's the bonus that you say thank you for. <laughs> you get it? It's the bonus. Yeah, and sometimes you look at the bonus and you are like, thank you. <laughs> Praise the Lord. But the salvation we have is a gift from God. May I say that again? I felt the spirit upon that statement. The salvation we have is a gift from God. You don't work for it. You don't even ask for it. You simply accept it. That's why faith is so easy. Because what action is involved in accepting? Do you see that? So that is why the biggest lie the devil can give to you is that you have no faith. And yet, all along, if we ask you, are you saved? You even know. You know. You know you are saved. Now, 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 now. When we say you are saved, we are not saying you belong to a religion called 
save this. You understand? It's not a club that you are belonging to. No, you were rescued from danger. God gave you a gift and removed you from the list of those that were to perish in hell. So you are no longer a slave to sin, a slave to the dominion of the devil. Why? You have been saved. When others are experiencing terrible times, you have been saved. When others are going through heartache and anxiety and depression, you have been saved. That's why when you see those things coming, you always say, eh, 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 leave me alone. I have been. Yeah. Yes. You, what are you doing here? Me, I have been. You have been saved from poverty. He became poor. Look, that's why I told you yesterday. Read the Bible because the Bible is not to be understood. It's to be accepted. You read something in the Bible, don't seek to say, well, what does it mean? Uh-uh, say, huh, this one, I believe. It says, you are a Peter. I am a Peter. I am a Peter. I am a Peter. You are loved. I am loved. I am. What does loved mean? I don't know. I just know I am what? I am loved. You see, some of the explanations you want are too high for you until you have opened your heart to say, that is what I am. You see, uh, for long, I thought being adopted by God was like, you know how we take the little kids? Until recently, I discovered, my goodness, it's a big thing. But you know what? Even before I knew how big it is, I just accepted it. I am a son. Oh, I am a son of God. Now, God has only one begotten son, but he now also has adopted sons. He is the firstborn of many. So maybe I'm the secondborn. I don't know about you, but I am somewhere. Someone wants to be the lastborn. I don't want to be the lastborn. I did that here. I did that here. I, I want to be. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So, um, it's a gift. Salvation is a gift. It's, salvation is rescue. You see that? It's rescue. It's deliverance. It's redemption. It is God removing you from peril. There was trouble that you were going to be part of, and God just said, let me give you a gift. And that trouble was because of your sins. So he surrendered his son on your behalf to pull you out. So salvation is not a gift from God because it is uh, free. Uh, you know, it's free for us, but it cost him everything. It cost God his very throne, his very life. Do you know that even right now, Jesus Christ is locked up in a body like us? Yes. Have you ever heard in these days, in these our days, have you ever heard someone say, I saw God? They say, I saw Jesus. I saw Jesus. Right now, Jesus is sitting at the right hand of God. He is locked up in a body because he has to identify with us. He became what we were so that we can become what he is. Glory be to God. Oh, yeah. Man, you are not made of cheap material. The wisdom you carry is not just your wisdom. The, the grace that is upon your life is to do big and bigger and biggest. You, you see, that's why when God tells you to ask him, for him he doesn't tell you, ask me for a dress. No, 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 no. Ask me for nations. Nations, not a nation. Not a nation. Not a nation. Not a nation. Not singular. Ask me for, at least start with two. Go forward. Listen, he became everything we were. Now, so now some of the things you define yourself as, Jesus became so that you can become what he is. So now, in order for you to fully understand who you are, you look at Jesus. 
You look at Jesus. You look at Jesus and you are like, oh, he did it, therefore I can do it. He was it, therefore. This is incredible. Hallelujah. Now, you see, we can sing about all those things. We can talk about all those things. I can say all these things to you. You must accept them to be true. Oh, yes. You must accept them to be true. Now, a lot of things that come into your life are challenging those things. They're challenging. Are you really loved by God? That is why the only thing you can look at that can give you the right compass is the cross. It's Jesus. If he did not spare his only son, but delivered him, not even just uh, delivered him up for us, how shall he not, together with him, give us all things? He loves us. It's incredible. So now, that brings me to what I wanted to say for today. Did you know all of that was introduction? Hallelujah. So, faith toward God. I have to give you that background because you need to understand that the New Testament faith is very different from Old Testament faith. And a lot of people don't make that difference. And so there is a lot of confusion about faith. Hallelujah. There's a lot of confusion about the subject, faith. It's one of the most spoken about things, but very few people talk about it, define it. Who talk about it, define it. In fact, a lot of people, when they say, okay, what is faith? Ah, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of what is not seen. And they don't understand that that is not really a specific definition of faith. It is showing you the operational way of faith. How faith operates. Yeah? Faith operates by it becoming the substance of what you hope for. So there must be something you are hoping for. It's the evidence of what is not seen. So there must be an evidence. And that's why I told you, faith is a function of knowledge. There must be a certain knowledge you carry that ushers you into faith. But in the New Testament, the New Testament talks about the faith. So there is a specificity about faith you must understand. And that's where we are going to go today. Because to remove all that confusion about faith, we must first of all look at the kinds of faith that there are. A lot of preachers actually confuse these faiths, and so they end up with more confusion for people than is actually warranted. Because every time you read the word faith, you think it is the same thing it's talking about. And you must be able to understand the various kinds of faith. So, number one, there is what we call general faith, all right? Of course, when you talk about general faith, you must also talk about specific faith. But there is something we call general faith. So, the faith in the way we talk about it, the big picture called faith. General faith deals with the fact that nothing in this life can actually be done without the expression of faith. General faith deals with the fact that nothing in this life can actually be done without the expression of faith. You can't do anything if you're not expressing faith. If you don't have faith, generally, you cannot do anything. You just sit. You know how people have phobias? Yeah? And a phobia paralyzes you. All right? Because fear is the opposite of Faith. When you don't have fear, you have faith. So in order for you to get on a border border, you must be sure it is 
going to be able to take it. In fact, there are some times you have seen a border border man that has come and you still looked at him, you looked at the dude driving, you looked at the thing he's driving, you told him, you know what, man, go. You understand? Because you did not believe that he would take you. And by the way, I've heard before a teacher who has differentiated between uh, faith and believing. Faith is the word pistis. Believe is the word pistos. Okay? Yes. So, is there a difference? Where is that difference? Pistis? Oh, and, okay, so this is a noun and this is a verb. It's the same one. When you have faith, what you do is called believing. So whenever you believe, you are expressing faith. Now that that is cleared, let's go back. So I told you there is general faith. And general faith deals with the fact that there's nothing in this world that you do when you are actually and not expressing faith. I remember one time I had just come back from the U.S. for the first time. Had been in the U.S. for six and a half months. And I came back to Uganda. And uh, everything I looked at in Uganda was dirty. <laughs> like everything. Except faith. But the rest. <laughs> After a week. I said I need to get out of this house. And go call to town and see what is there. I walked to the road. The taxi stopped. I looked at the thing. I said, please go. I waited for another one. I looked at the thing. I was like, when I did that on the third one, I said, let me go back home. I took another week. It's not that those taxis did not take people and bring them back. I think they were working the whole day. Me, I didn't think it would. I didn't believe it would. Praise the Lord. And I'm trying to say to you, there is nothing you do in this world if you don't believe. In fact, you can never sleep on a bed you don't think will hold you through the night. You know, how, even if it's the best bed, you look at it, you're like, ha. Ah. You know what? I'd rather sleep down. But the moment you, you, you look at it, you are like, ah, this will hold me. You just do what? You just lie down. And that is faith. And like I told you yesterday, uh, faith is a law. It is a heavenly ordinance. It is the law of the principle and that law and principle already has its dominion here on earth. And because of that, there's almost nothing that you can do on this earth that does not involve a measure of faith. So faith is the principle by which we receive from God. You know, this morning again I heard of, is it Jeff Bezos? Jeff Bezos. The guy, I was there and he thought, what if, uh, a nuclear weapon was unleashed on the whole earth and the earth became uninhabitable. Say, that thing is likely. Do you know, we have enough nuclear weapons now on the earth to destroy everything that is on the earth. So he said, you know what? Let us build a city in the air. Now, you, you imagine, you, you are still thinking about what? What are you still thinking about? You are believing God for, for rents. You understand? And you know, those guys are not really, they are not actually believers. But they exercise a certain law and ordinance so that they are able to look beyond where they are. You know, one of the reasons God is not trusting you with big things, you are thinking too small. You know, uh, this young man here brought me an idea of 80, was it 80 million Uganda shillings? It was 100 million Uganda shillings. Now, that boy is 14, right? 
He's a, he's a 16 year old that is thinking of a project that is 100 million shillings. And that 100 million shillings would make what? Was it 1 billion? Per month. Like if you gave him 100 million today, by the end of the month, he has an idea that can bring back 1 billion per month. Now, you, you are, you are 25. <laughs> Let me tell you what I secretly did without letting him know. I prepared my 40 million and kept it somewhere. That if he gets 40, I will add on my 40. Now, for you, which idea do you have that can make someone else keep his thing and say, I am moving with this one. Do you understand what I'm saying? So, faith is a general principle. A lot of times, if you don't believe beyond where you are, you stay where you are. And by the way, do you know the possibilities you see are the possibilities you attract? There are some people, the possibilities they see are only possibilities of failure. So, guess what they get? Like, do you know that someone can sit here and all that I am saying, they feel like, I think pastor is angry at me. <laughs> I am telling you, I, I think everything is, I think, I, I, and so instead of say, receiving, they are offended. And then sitting in the same church, then there's another one who is like, this is the greatest man. The, the, like the words he says are the most brief. Like he's a man of God. And he's so, I, I, am, I am taking anything. Anything is writing. Do you know there are people who are every day online waiting for my someone to drop. They don't come here. And guess what? What you have communicates to us the possibilities you have allowed to come to you. Glory be to God. God was challenging me about this thing today. He said, you have very small, small plans. Today, I was like, no, 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 no. I thought I have big ones. No, 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 no. He said, you have very, very small plans. Now I'm going to make very, very big plans. I have to, ha to have a plan for each continent. I, I just decided I am going to have a plan for each continent. I must have a residence on each continent. I must, I must have a residence. I must have a residence uh, on each continent. That one, that one I must. I must, and there must be some mega churches. Yeah, yeah, we, we have to do those things. But I am saying that now, in that place, we are operating from the realm of general faith. We've not even begun spiritual. That is why we have seen a lot of non-Christians prosper in ways you, you are not even, because you, you still think in small ways. And yet faith in general is an ordinance from heaven that is set in place to exercise dominion here on earth. The possibilities you are able to see and accept in your life become the possibilities. You know, my wife used to tell her friends in P7, me, I'll never study my university in Uganda. And guess what? A dude fell in love. <laughs> and so when you woke up this morning, you did not think about whether in the night something shifted around your compound. You just walked out of the door and you just... What if some tectonic forces were working and the plates that join uh, the, 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 <laughs> the earth core uh, began to move? Yes, and continental drifting was happening underneath your house. And, uh, and there's a fault that has just happened. Geography students, come on, join me. Where are you? Let, 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 let's, let's ashamed the biologists. <laughs> Those things you don't study in chemistry. <laughs> Hallelujah. So faith is the 
the principle by which we receive from God generally. Faith is the principle by which we receive from God. For he who comes to God must believe that God is and is the rewarder. Now, however, in general faith, you have to, uh, I mean, uh, even the devil exercises his own faith. He calls it fear. But it is because he knows it is a principle. It's a general principle that has dominion here on earth. It's a law. It's an ordinance. Now, from general faith, you come to specific faith. And specific faith is faith that applies in a specific area. So, for example, biblical faith is specific faith that believes God. So, there is biblical faith and non-biblical faith. So what we have been talking about, the, the faith we've been talking about of I am going to do this, I will walk in this way, I, like the, the, I see the potential, that's not necessarily biblical faith. That's why you see like, uh, like people who practice Buddhism and Hinduism, they sit, they imagine, they meditate, they call it, and before you know it, they are doing big things. Yeah, I mean, a guy can sit like this and then begins to be suspended like this. You understand? They are holding two bugun here. It's not biblical. It's not biblical. In fact, some of it, the devil passes through and tags himself onto it. You understand? So, specific faith then applies in a certain, in a specific area. And so, biblical faith is a specific kind of faith. And what makes biblical faith unique is it's believing God. It believes God. It believes God. When God says something, that one becomes the way we do our thing. When God says Kampala is yours, you are like, I don't care who has the titles. I don't care. Who married who, when, how. I don't care who built a mosque somewhere. Kampala is. How do I know it? Because God said so. Hallelujah. Biblical faith believes that God is who he says he is. And he will do what he says he will do. Oh yes. Without seeing any natural expressions, let me ask you, are you able to trust God? Because biblical faith is without sight, without seeing anything in any natural expression, you are able to trust that if God said it, it will be just as he said it will be. Be. If God said it, biblical faith believes God. Biblical faith has this trust that God is who he says he is and he will do what he says he will do. If God has said it, it settles it. If God has said it, this is how the men of old were recommended or commended by God. You know, all the people that are commended in the Old Testament, they are commended because they believed God. Abraham, stand up. Go to a land I will show you. Yeah? Get out of your mother's house and your father's house and just go. And Abraham said, what? Let's go. Where am I going? I'll show you. And so the guy just goes looking for a city whose foundation and builder is God, do you, do you know of any city like that? Do you, do you, you would be there, like, I've never heard about it. Do I start from the north? Abraham just got out of the house and said, God, you said we go. We, we go. Anyway, I've called here. And by the way, this is why, let me tell you people, some of you are still waiting for all the details to fall in place. That's not how God works. No, 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 no. God says go, and you are like, huh, now, some of you, when you hear God saying, go, you are like, God, left or right? Please make it clear. Is it front? Oh. No, no, 
no, no, no, no, no, no, no, no, no, no. God says, go, what do you do? You go and trust him enough that if you go the wrong direction, he has such power that he can get your foot and place it on the right path. Oh, trust in the Lord with all your heart and he will direct your path. Praise the Lord. Yeah. So when God says it, you just go. This is how the men of the Old Testament were commended. They are given to us as pillars of faith. <gasps> Women got back their dead children. You remember that woman? The prophet came and said, ask her, what do you need? She said, me, give me a child. If you get me a child, I'm okay. The prophet prayed. She got pregnant. She got a baby. Now the child got sick and died. And he died. Can you imagine? God has given you a child. And the child in Buddha's what? Buddha's. She didn't tell her husband. She kept the baby there and said, let me go. Her husband saw her going, where are you going? I am coming back, honey. And, and then another one said, what are you happy? What's happening? No, no, no. Um, I, I, it is well. Uh, do you have any problem? Don't worry. It is well. Yes. Why? Because God is the one who gave me this baby, hey, and if it is God who gave me this baby, this baby will survive. And she got to the man of God and said, man of God, I didn't ask for this. You said it. Come with me. Get this baby alive. Oh, yes. It's biblical faith. It trusts God. If he said it. He will perform it and he will make it good. He will make it good. I see some of you who have been doubting the words that God had brought to your life. But right now, the affirmations of the Spirit are saying to you, it is coming. If God said it, he will perform it. If God said it, it will come to pass. Yes. Woo! Glory be to God. If he said it, he will perform it. If he said it, he will perform it. If he said it, he did not bring you this far to give upon you. No. No, whether when you are walking, you realize you are cornered in a place. Your enemies are coming and are behind you with horses and with chariots. On this side, there is a rock. And on this side, there is a cliff. And instead, in front of you, there is a sea. But God said, you are making it to Canaan. Hey! Glory be to God. You are making it. You will make it. Oh, yes. He will make a way. 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 So, Abraham, without wavering in faith, even though he, uh, Sarah's womb was considered as dead, hey, but he believed the one who calls the dead things to come back. Hey, glory be to God. If he said it. So, do you see? Why it is very important for you to know the word? Because if he said it, it is mine. If he says it of me, let's give him a hand clap and appreciate him. You know, I, it's one of the reasons I am not intimidated. It's one of the reasons I am not uh, insecure. Not someone one day, in fact, we are even still in Chirombe. All of you here are much more than the people who were 
in Sunday service. Yeah, you are very many compared to those who are in Chirombe service. And someone told me, you know, Pastor, you know that you are doing this thing, it's so nice. You know someone can come and steal your church. It had never crossed my mind that someone could, like, you can come and steal this church. If you steal it, I can make a bigger one. I am telling you. And, and you, you will be stuck with this car thing and it will dwindle, dwindle. Uh, and yes. Even the government will come and confiscate the land that has titles that are yours. I am telling you. You know why? Because one day, I was praying and the Lord showed me by his voice. He pointed to me and said, great man of God. Yeah. Now, whether you call me pastor or whatever title you want to call me, or you call me Alex, or you call me nothing, I am who I am, not because of what you have said. He said it. He said it. This is why it is so important for you to hear God. Now, this biblical faith hangs on two pillars. Biblical faith hangs on two pillars. In Hebrews chapter 11, verses 6. Hebrews chapter 11, verses 6. He says, but without faith, it is impossible to please God. Right? Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Why? Because he who comes to God must believe two things. One, that God is. And number two, that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And so there are two pillars by which biblical faith stands. Two pillars on which biblical faith stands is number one, the integrity of God. God is. God is. The integrity of God. You must carry the understanding that God is who he says he is. You know, there are a lot of people that doubt that God loves them. That's why I started with the others. There are people who doubt God is mercy. And you know, your doubt shows up in times when you actually need him most. Like on the days when you really need his mercy. Now you begin to think, I think, I think God doesn't. I don't, I don't know God. Will I have your mercy? Like uh, you, you, you get it. And so you must come to a place where you are secure in the integrity of God. Who he says he is. When he says I am rich in mercy. Why? Because of the love that I have for you. Believe it, friend. God loves you. You know, some of you are sitting here, but in reality, had we known everything you have done before you would be in prison. <laughs> don't look at them. Look at me. Don't, don't. You know that the job you have has been protected by God. But if your bosses had ever run into some of the mistakes, some of the cover-ups. Yeah. But God who is rich in mercy because of his great love by which he has loved you. He saves you. So number one pillar is the integrity of God. God is who he says he is. You cannot have faith, biblical faith, when you, can, you have not understood and accepted the integrity of God. Integrity means firmness. It means dependability. Firmness. Dependability. God is who he says he is. That is why when Moses asked him, so you are sending me to those people. Yes, I am sending you. Who should I tell them has sent me? What was his answer? Just go and tell them, I am 
They can only rest on the I am. I am. I am what I am dependable. I am uh, your battle fighter. I am your stronghold. I am your refuge. I am your I am. You just I am your wisdom. I am your strength. I am your power. I am. Just tell them I am has sent me. Number two, Peter, number two is the ability of God. God is able. Whoever comes to God must believe that he is. And number two, he is a rewarder. He is able to do what he says he will do. Let me tell you, if you are not persuaded, in fact, that's why a lot of you make shortcuts. A lot of people do shortcuts because they don't think God is dependable. It's January. You outspent everything yourself in December because of Christmas. And it is January. And you know that in January, you give your first fruit. And the salary drops on your what? And this time, even a little bit earlier, it is the 20th. Now we want to ask, yes, you have believed in the integrity of God. Can you believe in the ability of God? When you pick your first fruit and say, Lord, here it is. You are saying, I depend on you. Fiona, first come and give us that testimony of first fruit at that hospital. Praise the Lord. <laughs> so in, uh, I came to Luzira in 20... 2013, 2012. Yes. Yeah. 2013. Uh, I came 2012. 2012. I, I had been working somewhere, so I quit my job. I came to Luzira. So when I came, I got a job. I came to Luzira because I got a job at Benedict Medical Center. So I came and uh, I had gotten some money to pay my rent in the Karuma staying. So when I was given salary, I gave my money as first fruit. But it wasn't at this church because I, I didn't know at this church. It was Masaka Pentecostal Church. So I gave my money as first fruit. And uh, that <laughs> the following month, uh, I'm a midwife, nurse midwife. The hospital was very busy. With who? Women giving birth. And the women who would come and give birth, they would tip me. So I survived on tips that whole month until the my colleague said, we don't want to work with you on the shift because your shift is very busy. You are, you, when you come, you don't sit down. We are extremely busy. And for me, it was working in my favor because the people who would come and give birth would tip me, and I survived on the tips the whole month. You see, he who comes to God must believe that God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Now, if your survival is... By the way, in Uganda, if you are a salary survivor, <laughs> you are not just a survivor, you are a hustler. <laughs> in a hustle, Munji. You get it? That's why you must have certain means by which you get divine intervention in your what? In your hustle. Praise the Lord. So we do certain things that then grow us because he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. God is dependable. God is dependable. And God is able. You must carry the persuasion that what is impossible to man is possible to God. All right? So, you see, we are moving from levels. Praise the Lord. These are levels of faith. Okay? You have general faith. And, of course, when you talk about general faith, you also talk about specific faith. Now, when we talk about specific faith, under specific faith, one of the categories is biblical faith. And biblical faith generally deals with believing God. He says, he does. He is and is able. All right? Now, 
In the Old Testament, that is the extent to which they would believe. God says a word, they believe it, he does it. And there were examples of what was yet to come. Because God was about to do something bigger that he needed us to believe him for, but it hadn't yet been done. So he had to give us simpler examples so that we can take in the bigger example. So now in biblical faith, you will have Old Testament faith and there is New Testament faith. Okay? First of all, look at this. The laws that govern general faith also enter into biblical faith. And the laws that govern the Old Testament faith still work with New Testament faith, but we are entering into levels of specificity. Are we together? So, in the Old Testament, God would speak a specific thing to a specific person. And that person would believe God for that particular specific thing. And when that person believes God for that particular specific thing, it is counted to them as righteousness. You understand? So he told Abraham, you are going to have Isaac. I mean, you look at this. How does believing God that you are going to give birth to a son end up turning you into a righteous man? And then for David, he just believed God that he was going to be the king without coming out of a kingly lineage. And because of that, God told him, you are going to be a king forever. You will always have a king out of your line. No wonder Jesus had to come through the line of David. You see, and so he says, listen, how blessed is a man on whom God does not impute sin. <laughs> Hallelujah. And so you see that in the Old Testament, what we see is that uh, faith was specific to the incident. Let me dare to tell you this. You are not called to exercise the same faith Abraham exercised. That was specific to Abraham. But Abraham shows you the example of what happens when men take God at his word. All right? Because for us in the New Testament, there is a very specific word that God has given to us. Hebrews chapter 1. Let's start from verses 1 going downwards. Let's read together. Uh-huh. You see, so in times past and in various ways and at various times, you see that? At various times and in various ways, God spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets. Uh -huh. So God, who in various times and various spoken to them, uh -huh, has in these last days spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom also he made the worlds. So you see that the Old Testament, every man was approached the way God wanted to give an example to us. In the New Testament, God gave us one way. And he came and told us, I am the way. For us today, he has spoken to us through the one. When you talk about the faith of Abel, so there is the faith that Abel exercised. When you talk about the faith of Noah, that is the faith Noah exercised. There is the faith of Abraham. There's the faith of David and so on and so on. But here in the New Testament, you must understand that within the New Testament is also uh, this 
other faith that is only and entirely based on Jesus Christ. And so the faith that is foundational to the New Testament believer is very specific kind of faith. And we find Jude actually writes about this. Do you know who Jude is? Yeah, he's Jesus' brother. And like one of my friends used to say, what would it take for your big brother to convince you that he is God? What would it take? Yeah, but if he died, you buried him, you saw him, and he came back from the grave, and you touched him, and you put his finger in the bullet holes, you were like, eh, eh. Oh, all along, he didn't just give life to the birds and what? All along, kumbe. So Jude was convinced. And Jude writes and says, beloved, verses 3. Jude has chapter 1, verses 3. He only wrote one chapter. Uh, verses 3. So he says, verses 3, let's read together. Uh -huh. Beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. So we are contending not for our faith. We are contending for that faith. But that faith is coming out of our common salvation. So what the New Testament calls faith toward God is very specific. And according to Jude, we must contend for it. You know what contending means? It's fight for it. So Paul wrote Timothy and told him, Timothy, fight the good fight of faith. And this is a very specific kind of faith. In other words, there will be things that will come against this faith so that it becomes easy to lose it or not to know it. Hello? Okay. Father, I thank you for such a wonderful time you have given to us. Great learning. The full explanations of these things, Lord, and the entire picture of what it looks like to live life with you is still held by you and is communicated to us by your spirit. So, Holy Spirit, for all the men and women that have attended this seminar, they've been faithful. May the revelation of salvation become such a beautiful reality in their lives. May they not simply talk about these things, but may they experience them day and night. I bless them in Jesus' name. Amen. I also bless their offering as they give in the house today. Amen.